Welcome back to another episode of One Penny at a Time, and I am your host, Harris Elliott. Today, we have another exciting guest joining us on our podcast. Also, his very first podcast appearance of any kind. Let's give a warm welcome to none other than Dan, known as House of Dividends on Twitter. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I know we've been kind of going back and forth here for last couple months since we found each other on Twitter and it's been a pleasure. So thank you for taking the time to come on. No, absolutely, man. First off, I want to say it's a real pleasure to hop on this call with you. Um, I've been following your outcome for a while actually on Twitter and I know you've had some wonderful guests on here. So um, you've been doing a great job first off and keeping the diff, the diff thrift community going strong. And yeah, it's a real pleasure to be here, man. No, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for following it along. No pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So, Dan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, uh, what you know, what industry are you in? You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, a little bit about me. Obviously, my name is Dan. Um, thirty-three years old. I'm a dad of two, a one and a half year old, and a three months old. So they keep me pretty occupied. Um, I work in IT and cybersecurity field. So I'm pretty swamped most of the times, you know, my time is very, very valuable to me, but, um, yeah, um, I started invested about, uh, 10 to 11 years ago, I would say. I haven't always been a walk in the park though. Um, I initially started off when I was introduced to the world of Forex, Forex trading. And we're like many people, I thought I was an expert trader back then (laughs) started doing well for a while actually, but, um, things started going downhill and I actually blew up my. 15k account and that was actually one of the worst points of my life um thankfully i wasn't married or nor have any kids i was just a i would say a foolish a foolish young man with no responsibility that could, got caught in this crap you know but um yeah from then on i mainly focused on uh safe investments and you know safer trades that was a definite lesson learned yeah um it's like we always say sometimes you need to pay your your tuition or your tax into the market and, you know, luckily for yourself, you made it into a great learning opportunity, a learning lesson. And luckily you did this early on, not when you're later in life or to recover from something like this. It's harder. So I guess it, it happened at the right time, if you want to say that. And then, of course, it, I can understand uh, having two kids and both having both of them being less than two years old. I'm sure very busy, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. But um, yeah, yeah. Um... Where I'm at now, I'm glad I experienced that at an early age, so I don't have to deal with that now. You know? no, awesome. How long have you been? Uh, um, are you a dividend investor, dividend growth investor? What's your particular style or indexing? Overall, I would say I'm a I'm a ETF investor, mainly because I believe I don't believe in like individual names, not mm-hmm. entirely, but I like like a package combined. As we go on to go on into this podcast, you'll see my. I'll explain a little bit more about my style, but I focus mm-hmm. mainly on ETFs, whether that be long-term growth, value names, or in this case, dividend investing. Got you. So actually, um, so you don't hold any like uh, individual company. Are you solely ETF or indexing for no, yourself? No, no, right no. Absolutely, um, not. Um, I do hold individual names, but my long-term belief is in ETFs. Got I hold you. individual names simply because of the growth potential. Got you. So you're playing this more of a very safe route just because you know that, you know, with an index or an ETF, um, 
just use this as a hypothetical. I mean, was it Thursday or Friday? I can't remember. AT&T had really bad earnings and they dropped like 10 or 12% where in an, if that's in an index, you don't feel, you don't really get the feel of that much because that's such a small allocation sometimes into one. So there's a benefit to that. Absolutely. There you go. It's, it's a package deal. Basically you get uh, multiple names within the same sector and an ETF instead of actually going after an individual name, say like, like you rightfully said, AT&T and, you know, a lot of people were burnt by that 10% drop. Thankfully, if you were an ETF, you would have feel you would have felt the brunt, but not as not as significant as people in the name individually. No, absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this right now: with your current like allocation, um, what's like the percentage allocation you have from like ETF to like individual holding? Um, I would say on uh, like at the top of my head, I would say it's probably. 85 to 15 percent 85 percent being atfs and like 15 percent being the small you know the oh, names wow. the individual names oh wow so you're playing it really safe which hey there's no knock on that you know at all myself um my goal is to be 70 percent etf index 30 percent um individual i need to be a little bit better at doing more into indexing um i've i've just been lately been finding better opportunities to dollar cost average mm-hmm. but I think for the month of May, I am probably going to, most of my money is going to go to ETFs, at least as far as right now goes, you know, that next week, everything could change. But as far as right now goes, that's my thought process onto that. Yeah, definitely makes sense. It's definitely something I would advise to the newer traders as well. Absolutely. And it's really funny. And I've mentioned this on podcasts before, when I started off really doing this, um, I, I was one who always used to knock on Dave Ramsey's only do index ETFs like it was so boring and whatnot. But now as I've got I've as I'm almost a year doing this, it really is, at least for me, it really is the best way. And it's definitely the safer way. And it's it helps me sleep at night. Now doesn't right. doesn't stop me from doing individual stocks because I love doing the research and I like seeing if mm-hmm. my thought process and thesis are correct. There's only so many times you could be correct on it, and how much, and when you're not correct, how much of a hit that's going to be. So that's always been my thought process behind it. Right, right. Um, yeah, a little bit on that as well. I think a lot of people were introduced to the market during the the 2020 COVID COVID deal, mm-hmm. and like they said, everybody's an expert with when there's a bull market. And a lot of these newer traders came in and they were like bashing Dave Ramsey saying, oh, you know, no, my individual stock is performing your ETFs and stuff. And as soon as the 2021 hit, that's when things went downhill and everybody started to run from the market. And all of a sudden, David Ramsey, Dave Ramsey became an expert again. So it's all about your your mindset. And I think a lot of people got carried away in that 2020 bull run, man. I mean, with the bull run, like I said, I didn't really start doing this till 2022, but I was following the market very closely from 2020, 2021, because I had other goals I was working on, like getting a home and whatnot. But still, okay. I was so involved with it. And I, I like to see um, the the when when the companies are doing earning calls, nothing made sense for that two year period where it was literally like, OK, so we lo- uh, we're down two billion dollars in the quarter. But this is mm-hmm. our growth projection, and it's like a thirty percent. It made absolutely no sense. Absolutely, there you go. <laughs> it made no sense. And, and you know what? The market was so news-driven back then 
like mm-hmm. I remember following even crypto, cryptocurrency back then, like Dogecoin. Elon would just like breed on Twitter and the Dogecoin would like would like skyrocket. It was so news driven. Any least any least news that came out, the the stock just rallied. Whether that be Google, Microsoft, any of the smaller name, the growth stocks, you know, they just rallied, man. There was no stop in the market in 2020. It is. And I said, I don't really talk a lot about crypto, but I'll give you the well, how you mentioned like Elon saying something that goes off. Um, I never was really big into crypto, but back in this would have maybe been July or August 2021, my friend brought up this stupid ship coin, uh, SHIB about the Shiba Inu. And I looked at that and it goes, you know what? I'm going to put $100 into this because it's another stupid dog coin. Watch this blow up. That was my whole thesis on it. <laughs> and I think in September, Elon did something about SHIB related. And that coin went up to like 1200% at one point for me. Wow. Wow. I, I took profits out for that. Um, I could not sleep well at night. I literally was constantly looking at my phone to see how much it either gone up and dropped. It's not healthy. And I'll never, like I said, I, I made a profit off of it, which is most, I know people can say, but not for me. I, it caused too much stress and too much anxiety. Yeah. It's definitely nerve wracking when it comes to crypto and these smaller, you know, these smaller coins, but props to you. You took your, you took your, your, your gains and you ran, you know, not a lot of people can say that. Nope, I know. I know. I mean, I know when you talked about Dogecoin, it's about that the guy who I think a multiple of the big people like uh, Graham and mm-hmm. Andre Drick interviewed him. Like he became like a multimillionaire off of Doge and like yep. lost all of it because he kept waiting yep. on it. Yep, he went up to like three million and he just left. He just kept holding. I think he and I think he's still holding to date, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Awesome. So let's go into some of the, I know you mentioned you have some individual companies. Oh, what are some of those that you're interested in and what are you like your thesis on some of these? All right. Well, um, first off, I'll, I'll do a breakdown of my mentality when it comes to investing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you will have seen from my Twitter, um, the house of dividends, I focus a lot. As we mentioned, mentioned before, I focus a lot on uh, the safer investments when it comes to dividends and overall investment, you know, but um, I would say over the years, I've learned a lot from the market and it doesn't matter how big a company is. There's always, always a potential for failure as we saw from uh, the Silicon Valley collapse. And as we mentioned a, a little while ago, AT&T as well, you know, it's, it's not a full collapse, but you know, these fluctuation is definitely good for your mental health. Um, having said that, having said that I do love dividends investing and um i cannot be oblivious to the world of growth stocks either so um mm-hmm. my thesis is and what i put into practice is i've created three different portfolios one portfolio is strictly for dividends investing and growth one for growth which is my riskiest one and one for overall the total market returns um, the three portfolios I'll break down for you for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Portfolio one, which is my uh, dividend portfolio. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is the most exciting one. That's why I'm on this podcast right now. But um, mm-hmm. the top holding in that one would be no other than I want to make you guess, make a wild guess. Okay, so dividend portfolio. It's not Amazon. 
It's not Google. <laughs> is this happens to be SCHD? It absolutely is SCHD. <laughs> no way. I'm surprised. I'm joking. Hey, SCHD is my top holding in my portfolio too. I just exactly. need to create a little bit of drama here because I'm sure I know there's so many people on Twitter who are so sick of hearing about SCHD. Yeah, but it's such a cliche name going around. Performance, right the performance does not lie in that though. <laughs> absolutely. And not only performance, like the expense ratios and stuff is pretty low for a name that returns that, that, that among the dividends, you know? But yeah. um yeah, this portfolio also consists of a JP, JEPI, JPQ, and one of my favorites actually is VNQ. VNQ. Mm-hmm. Which one's which one's not, VNQ? Yeah, not a lot of people know about VNQ. It's a, actually a Vanguard uh, real estate fund. It's okay. basically a combination of a lot of the popular REITs out there, and they're all packed into this one ETF. You've got. Uh, O, which is realty realty income in there. Mm-hmm. You've got AMT, SPG, and a lot of other well-known names in there. Um, and like I said, ETFs ETFs are my bread and butter, man. So instead of in individually investing in like O and you know WPC and the other REIT, I just do a BNQ. But um, yeah, I've also got some DGRO in there, some mm-hmm. BYM. Overall, um, as you can tell, man. ETFs sleep sleep all the time sleep well at night portfolio mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um having said that it doesn't stop me from having names like Coca-Cola Pepsi Abbey 5 J&J in that portfolio as well um yeah I gotcha. do I do focus primarily on ETFs but I do have the safer names in there as well the Coca-Colas and stuff got you and is that one in the dividend portfolio too or do you have that like in a separate the div- one that's the dividend portfolio Okay, gotcha. So you have those in there too. Yep. Uh, so for the second portfolio, which I've created, is the growth portfolio, which is the riskiest one. Um, you've got some of the usual suspects in there as well. Um, you have the Google, you have the Google, Microsoft, Tesla, Apple, your semiconductors. There's actually a semiconductor ETF, which I really like. I'll mention it. Um, SMH. Yep. Which which has um like the the Nvidia the Broadcom Broadcom yeah I really like SMH and instead yeah. of picking those names individually I just you know, get it yeah. yeah and to kind of piggyback off of that I I actually know about that ETF actually from JJ Buckner I've seen him talk a lot about it mm-hmm. and for him he talked about how he just does not know which one to pick so he'd rather have a piece of the pie and then mm-hmm. for myself I learned the lesson I mean my I had Intel for a while and I traded out for it and I was able to get out of it on a profit. But um, I then figured out through, for me, it was either through VOO and then through SCHD and then through my uh, QQQM, I had decent exposure to semis on those where I actually could live with that and be okay with that. And I didn't feel like I need the individual anymore. So that's like one of those where myself, when it comes to like the tech stocks, I don't handle the big up and down a lot very well. So just I I index those all day because now because it's just for my psyche it just works out better. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a smart way to do it. You know, not a lot of people can handle the mental pressure of looking at the portfolio dropping like you know, three to four percent a day when these when these semis go down and you, like you said, it helps you sleep mm-hmm. better at night. But um, yeah, some of the smaller names I have in there as well. Um, like I said, this is the riskier portfolio. 
have some of your neos in there your lucid mm. your soul fire which i really like palantir some fubo riot blockchain and even some draft kings and stuff in there i mean yeah. you i do like dividends and growth dividends and long-term investing but you can't be oblivious to the growth the growth of these smaller names as well you know but, absolutely um, absolutely how, how much allocated do you have to like that risky portfolio I'm, I'm assuming it's probably a smaller percentage um in terms of my overall capital yeah um i would say it's right about uh 15 percent it's 15? nothing crazy yeah 15 honestly crazy. and i think that's i think that's a great number to have because it's not extremely low but it's something where you have skin in the game and i think mm-hmm. that's i think that's pretty fair so is like obviously well watch you let's talk about the third portfolio before i ask you this follow-up question here so and then i kind of talk about sofi sofi is actually one of those where like i said i i as of right now i still don't have anything that pays dividends sofi would be one i consider i'm really big into banking stocks and i like what they're doing and the platform they're building and i think they're gonna they have a solid product and they're very close to profitability i think the last time i checked so i think they're on the right path there Right, right. Yeah, SoFi is definitely one of those I would look forward to in the in the future. You know, like you said, they're building an infrastructure that's that has yeah. a little bit of everything in there, and over time, the growth and they can just expand it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a mm-hmm. solid platform to use, and they're gonna attract a lot of users. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me a little bit as far as like Microsoft, not Microsoft, I'm sorry, Apple's business model where they're trying to get everybody in the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to get you into the SoFi ecosystem with all the products. So it reminds me a little bit about that. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just before I finish off this uh, yeah. second portfolio, though, um, mm-hmm. for the newer people that's listening to your podcast right now, if you want to get into the growth investing for the long for the long hauls, I I would say your best friend would be VUG, which is the Vanguard Growth Index. And it's low risk, high growth potential. I would say if you're new to the market, you want to get into growth stocks, VUG should be the top at the top of your list. Yes, and I think that's definitely, like I said, it's like that or even like a wave. Like I know there's some people I've seen on Twitter talk about where they want to see if they were to do paper trades, which is great because you can play, like put set a fake amount of money and all this mm-hmm. and practice it. And obviously no risk. That's also a really good way there to try individual. But I think what you're saying there with like a, a solid growth ETF index, you just can't go wrong with that because I've, you know, for me, I've been able to build out for the most part, the, the mental part of like, if there's a drop, okay, I can live with this. But I've seen people, I remember when people were investing in Carvana in the 300s and they're like, this is going to go up. I'm like, this, and I mean, I think Carvana is what, like less than 10 bucks now? Yeah, it's pretty low. If you put, let's say if you put $10,000 into Carvana when it was 300 bucks a share, uh, you have a lot of years to do uh, the wash rule. And I don't think, (laughs) I don't think you would even be able to complete the wash rule by the time well, man, now you'd be able to complete it. Like it, it just depends, but it's just it's gonna take you a while to get rid of all that with the with the wash rule. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, paper trading it's always good. Like mm-hmm. when I first started trading stocks, trading stocks, um, mm-hmm. I started out 
paper paper traded for a while um but it could also be kind of a, it's kind of an over leveraged mentality that that you'd have in terms of saying oh this is not my own money let me just try this amount or that amount and then you have a false sense of a false expectations sense of expectations and expertise in this and then when you get into the market it's your own money now and you try to repeat or do the same thing and you get the market doesn't always move doesn't always move to your liking so um paper trading is excellent though man but um you got to be careful as well because it definitely it definitely creates overconfidence sometimes but um yeah i i do believe yeah. paper trading is good in the long run so pretty much you have to describe somebody's running down to the or to the ufc octagon that bell rings they get kicked in the head and they're knocked out essentially <laughs> exactly there you go <laughs> awesome so out of all those um out of your growth portfolio where you have those individual stocks which company are you the most bullish on and why the the growth, the growth from that the growth from thing? the from the second portfolio um i would say google simply mm -hmm. because they're dominated everything man you mm -hmm. can't you can you can't go buy a regular day of life or not using one of google's products whether that be the phone the web browser, the entire ecosystem, you know, it's, it's absolutely there. I would say I'm heavy into Google. That's why I'm bullish on it as well. So I'm yeah. kind of, I'm kind of favoring that name more than the others. Gotcha. It's kind of funny. You're saying Google, before we actually started recording this podcast, you actually was forced to download Google Chrome to do this. So I guess you're right there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. That's great, Dan. So let's talk about the third portfolio. So what comprises that third portfolio? The third portfolio is pretty straightforward, man. VO, VTI. So uh, it's just, yep. just tracking out the market. Mm -hmm. The safest and the most boring portfolio. VOO, which is the US S&P 500, and the VTI, growth. which is the international international uh, ex, you know, exposure as well. Also, yep. another good name that, that could be included in this portfolio is the VXUS, which is strictly international international names. Which gives you that little bit of exposure to, you know, the other countries as well. Yep, agree. Um, I hold V. I have. I I hold both VOO and VTI. I have VOO in my taxable and I have VTI in the Roth. So, yep, I I I do hold both of those, and they both have pur different purposes. But, and speaking of which, I need to, I need to contribute more to VOO. I've been very lazy on getting into that. So right. need to, I definitely need to step that up because, you know, having something like that or when you have um, SCHD, you need solid solid pieces to be like the spine or the backbone of the portfolio. And, you know, like kind of talking about like the backbone, when SCHD dropped, I think early last month into like the $70 range, you know, for us, we're, we're celebrating that because that's something that doesn't happen as often. But that drop to us is like, it's something we can live with compared to say like a growth stock dropping 50% in one month or a year or whatever that could be. Exactly. And when these drops happen, it's always good to, you know, back up the truck and load up, man. You know, that's, that's yes. the way to do it. Dollar cost averaging is good, but when you get these, these big drops, you got, you got to take advantage of it. Especially with a name like SEHT, that's pretty solid. That doesn't fluctuate as much. It's always good to take advantage of those drops. Yes. And it's actually something that I'm actually working now as an investor. 
um, with everything recently has been going on in my life, I'm now actually going to start working. I'm, I'm still going to contribute everything like I normally do, but I actually want to start building a dry powder fund to have that okay. when that happens for like a next time. So that's something I'm actually working on. Right, right, right. And there, there are a few, um, there are a few, what do you call it? Like, uh, I know like Ally Investing, like mm -hmm. they have a robo, a robo, um, investing portfolio that you can set up and they have a, they have like set aside 20 percent of cash so in case of these big drops you can always leverage this cash and put it into your portfolio so it's always good to have something on the side as well don't ever go all into the market at one time like mm -hmm. i said time in the market is time it's better than time in the market if that makes sense um absolutely and um you know people try to still try to predict oh i'm gonna wait to buy this at this price and i'm guilty about it with some holdings but <laughs> it's when i've had people say i'm not buying apple unless it hits a hundred less than a hundred dollars i'm like well let me know when it hits because i don't see apple hitting that anytime soon <laughs> exactly yeah not, un not unless it stock splits again or if something mm -hmm. catastrophic happens to planet earth Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of people were caught caught with this uh with this, you know, buy high mentality back in 2020 as well, when uh, like Snowflake was hitting almost 500, like you said, Carvana was hitting for, you know, three something, and video was up to three something, Facebook, a lot of people were caught in these names back then, you know, and mm -hmm. only to come back down to earth, you know, after yeah. like a few months in. Do you remember when Amazon before the pre-split, it was at like thirty-seven hundred or thirty-eight hundred dollars a share before it split. Did the one for twenty? <laughs> I actually got caught in that one. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, because prior to that, all the stocks that were announcing they were going to be split just went into a rally mode, and I thought I figured I should have known better, but I figured Amazon would do the same thing because. So many people were sitting on the sideline waiting for Amazon to announce the split. And all of a sudden they announced it. Everybody thought it would have skyrocketed. I didn't get caught like something that I couldn't handle, like mm -hmm. the amount that I was invested in it, but I did get caught for a very small amount. Hey, luckily it's a small amount. And like I said, that's just <laughs> your your tuition to the market and you know for next time of how to maybe think about it differently, approach it differently, right? Absolutely. We all make mistakes, man. And it doesn't matter how, how much experience you have in the market. There's always going to be that one stock that's going to, that's going to hurt you a little bit. And Amazon has been that, hey, that one for me. It's all good. Um, I want to ask you something I've seen on your Twitter and I would like to get to see what your thought process is or how you do this. So one thing I've noticed with you, you do what's called the $20 a day challenge where you'll pick like one stock and do $20 a day. Is that how you allocate all your your capital when you're putting in new money, or do you have like a dry the dry powder waiting on the side for that ultimate drop? Like, can you explain to me like what's like your mentality and the psychology of like the twenty dollar a day? The twenty dollar a day portfolio is actually the portfolio the fourth portfolio under my name right now. It's just a fun portfolio oh. that I've decided to. You're to gatekeeping. A you're gatekeeping these portfolios from here in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a nice little challenge I have going on. A lot of people have been DMing, DMing me, actually asking me, you know, can I follow along or what are the stocks I'm going to buy next and stuff. But um, basically the portfolio, the challenge is um, buying twenty dollars of dividend stock every single day that the market is open. Sometimes I would double dip 
when there's a holiday or the market is closed or prior day. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I keep it really simple. Mostly ETFs, SEHD, JPI, you know, the usual suspects. Occasionally, I would do like JNJ and PEP and stuff. But it's a nice little fun challenge that my buddies and I have been, you know, have been col collaborating and just doing. And it's it's nothing it's nothing significant. It's just something we want to see how it's going to look like like a few years down the line. I mean, yeah. still, it's still money you're setting aside. So it is going to be significant one day, even if it's a smaller portion, it's still money that counts. It's going to only ultimately help you out to your ultimate goal or whatever you're trying to reach. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing, you know, and I think that's really good too, because I think the biggest thing that I've seen where people get really pushback from, they'll see people posting about six figure portfolios and they get discouraged and that I'm not going to reach that. And sometimes seeing that where it's like the $5 VOO challenge or the weekly SCHD challenge or anything like that, or your $20 a day challenge, it's a way that people can be relatable to it. And hopefully that just builds the momentum and the discipline for them to then add on to that or keep doing even more. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's that's why we do it, right? Um, mm -hmm. The the FinTwit community and the DivTwit community, we try to keep, we're pretty close-knitted and we try to keep things simple so a regular person can just hop on and say oh this guy's doing a nice little challenge and you know it's not risky at all you know mm -hmm. let me let me let me just hop in and see how it goes and we try to build knowledge as well as creating wealth for our families and you know at the end of the day for most of the dividends investors they're trying to retire off, off of dividends in the long run and this is one way to start and eventually branch off into your own you're, do do your own thing, you know, and mm -hmm. gradually building your portfolio, the, the the snowball effect and stuff started to kick in. And within no time, you'll see your portfolio building to these, you know, five figures, six figures, you know, it'll, it'll take time, but you always got to start from somewhere, you know. Absolutely. One way I've, I've gotten people to at least make investing fun, because look, we all know that dividend investing is not the most exciting thing. I think we can all agree to that. It's very slow. It's just you keep building and building. But the way I've made it to like get people to think about how to do it is if I, I for example, I hold Best Buy, I hold Target in my portfolios, or I hold Starbucks in my portfolio. If I go buy something from there, I literally just match it. And that way, I don't care what the price is. And Starbucks, usually I'm going to spend, what, 10 bucks there with, with two coffees. So I'm just going to, you know what, if I bought 10 bucks here, we're going to put 10 bucks over there. We don't care about the price. It's just, it's just a fun way to slowly build out things over time. You know, it's just, I don't know. That's just something I've tried and it works. And then that also keeps me in check not to go crazy when I go to Target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that actually makes sense. Um, That's a good way to do it as well. I wish I could do that. Like when my wife starts shopping, <laughs> um, I, th I, th I, I think it, I, th I mean, you'd have a seven-figure portfolio pretty quick. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> Very quickly, man. Especially when we go to Nordstrom and Costco and these places, I will definitely, within no time, I'll have a seven-figure portfolio. But um, yeah, man, kind of sidetracked there. But um, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I mean, that's, that's part, one way it's part to do it, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, like I said, um, when we do these podcasts, it's completely unscripted. And sometimes you need to hear things from like re from reality perspective, you know, and that's totally fine. I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, anytime you go to Costco, how many times is your trip under a hundred dollars? Never. The last time I went to Costco is like it was like twelve hundred dollars, man. I was like, wait, twelve hundred dollars? Yes. <laughs> kids, it, are, kids aren't cheap, man. 
Does that include the hot dog? It doesn't include the hot dog. It doesn't include the hot dog. Oh boy! It doesn't you... include the hot dog. Okay, now now I see why you say <laughs> that if you literally match for match. Okay, in your in your case, what you need to do instead of doing a match for match for Costco, just match twenty percent at least, because that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, diapers aren't cheap. Formula isn't cheap. You know? yeah. And then when I go by myself, it's a little bit on the lower side. But when I yeah. take the spouse with me, it's it's completely different. But, yes. Hey, Hey, I, goes, right? whoever is a Costco shareholder listening to this podcast, they're probably bowing down to you right now and thanking you for your service. <laughs> Thankfully, I do hold some Costco as well. So hey, I'm supporting pay, myself. Pay yourself back. And honestly, Costco <laughs> yeah. is such an amazing company. And it's just it's, it's for the value you get as a consumer. It's one of a kind. Absolutely. I agree. Awesome. So we talk a lot about like your four portfolios, your gatekeep, you gatekeeped one of them for me, but I'm going to let that one slide. There's no fifth portfolio, right? That's it. There's no fifth portfolio. Okay. Awesome. As so, of right now. Hey, hey, that's kind of a, a time of recording. We've grown over them. So <laughs> I'm actually thinking about starting a fifth one. This is a little inside down the pipeline kind of deal. Ooh. I'm actually trying to start a fifth one. Um, mainly focused on international stocks. Um, I've seen I, I've seen people do that, and I think that would be a good challenge. I know because obviously you have to factor in so many other things like economy, currency, mm-hmm. and all these other things. So that would be that that would be good to maybe to make to teach you and be a better investor. Um, I think that would actually be really good just to only expand your knowledge and think outside the box because that's ultimately something that we. Um, I think that myself I can be better at is I need to try to think outside the box a little bit more. So I think that would be a good way to get that exposure or that drive to do so. Right. You can never go wrong with um, some of these international names as well. You know, the economy, China economy, you have the K-Web ETF that you can get into that holds names like Baba. And I think another one I really liked was, it's slipping the top of my mind right now, but um, yeah. And there's an ETF that covers the Indian market as well. Over the past, like what, 20, 30 years or so, the U.S. stock market has outperformed everybody. And if you're pretty, if you're pretty bullish on the U.S., just stick to VOO. But if you think other economies can play catch up, you want to have some international exposures as well and get in the VXUS, which is the, the international ETF. I'm going to keep stressing this name because if I st- do start a portfolio for international, that's going to make up like 75% of my portfolio, yeah. the VXUS ETF, which yes. is strictly the international international yeah. exposure names. And honestly, right now, the market, like the whole economy in India and everything, it's booming like crazy mm-hmm. over there right now. And they're, they're, they're literally starting to become one of the powerhouses in the world. And, and that's the thing that people, I think, that don't like – you have to look at the. You have to watch the news sometimes because I know right now a big topic is um, obviously currency is a big topic right now. I said I'm not the I'm not the most well versed person, but it's things you have to look at and consider. And India, you know, obviously I know that they're getting a lot of they're they're having you know, a lot of outsourced you know U.S. companies going there and they're growing and they're expanding. And right now, I know it like in, in like auto and like the the vehicle sector of it. Like the amount due to population and the demand on cars, I know yeah. that smaller cars are so popular in India. I think Ford only makes a certain model of car that's only for India because it's meant for like that demographic and that economy. So it's right. very important to have that exposure. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And not only the Indian market, of course, China is a powerhouse as well. If you want to get into the Russian market as well, you know, you can you can never tell. The U.S. economy has been so has been so strong. You can almost be blindsided, saying, "Oh, it's going to continue continue this way." And I'm a believer it can. But you mm-hmm. want to have that little that little that little cushion to for failure if things do go hit the fan. You know, you want to have that international exposure and the Chinese market, the Indian market, and even the Russian market and stuff like that. It's it's always good to have it's always good to have that little extra comfort and peace of mind of knowing that, you know, the thing does go south with the US. You you have that you have that comfort. No, absolutely, Dan. And so ultimate goal. Now we have four portfolios, maybe five, maybe six <laughs> after that at this point. Who knows? What's your ultimate goal with investing? Like, what is your personal goal? Why Why do you do this? What is like? What drives you to keep doing this for yourself? What drives me to keep doing this for myself? My family, my kids. I've started two portfolios for them, even though one is only three months old and the other one is a one and a half year old. I've started two portfolios for them and it's for my kids, man. An ultimate goal is to retire off of dividends, which is like most dividends investor. Mm-hmm. that's the ultimate goal but um i don't want to be excluded from the growth potential of the market as well that's why i have multiple portfolios across the line one yep. is a steady one one is a growth and the dividends invest in basically to retire off of dividends it seems like for yourself you just know what your risk tolerance is due to life experiences and mistakes you made in the past so now it's like okay i could try this again but we're going to do this completely different which is great you've done your homework and you've learned from your your lessons in life and seems like you're thriving and you're killing it right now. I mean, you're doing $1,200 at Costco. So you're definitely a baller. I'm going to give you that. <laughs> no, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty okay. Um, there's no, you know, shortcomings on, in terms of my, my family structure and, you know, the, the financial aspect of things, mm-hmm. but um, you got to be smart about it as well. You know, you, my past, my past experiences has taught me how to be safer and how to go about doing things in a less riskier way. And once you get kids, man, it's a complete game. It's a complete game changer. You know, you have a different mentality. And you know these risks cannot cannot affect your 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 life, your livelihood. If I was like like I said to you, you know, blow up the 15k account back like 10 years mm-hmm. ago, 11 years ago, can I can't afford to do that now because mm-hmm. of so many responsibilities surrounding this. But going back to your question, the ultimate goal is to take care of my family and to eventually live off, retire and live off of dividends. Awesome. Do you have a number in mind or an age in mind, or is that something that's still kind of like in the works for you? It's, it's still kind of um, a blur right now because I also, I'm also looking around to get like a real estate, a real estate uh, investment property going. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of blur right now. We got to see how you got to see how the market performs and how how things look like in the future. But um, I definitely don't want to work until I'm 65. <laughs> That's for sure. No, I don't think anybody does. Awesome. <laughs> so, Dan, you know, if you listen to the podcast here, my last question, I always ask something that's not stock related. So you told me that you're really big into working out, right? Yeah. Um, how does working out for you play along with you know, the physical, your physical health, how does that play into like the mental health and like the psychology part of when you're investing? Well, working out definitely helps in terms of um, releasing a lot of stress. 
if if I was one of those that was constantly looking at the market, you know, and like day trading and stuff, it would help even more. But it does help to relieve some of the stress that you would have of day-to-day life, having work, and then you have the responsibility of the kids. It's that good me time, basically. I can go to the gym or I can hit, I can work out at home, having that 45 minutes of, you know, of clear mental stability and just focusing on what I'm doing and shout out everything around me for that 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour. It definitely plays a part in keeping my sanity alive because I try to do it five times a week just because it gives me that me time. And my life is so swamped with other stuff that's happening. It's 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 definitely one of those that I'll keep I'll keep close to me and keep keep doing it from a weekly standpoint. Awesome. Do you have a punching bag when you have a dividend cut or a bad earnings? <laughs> I don't. I should. <laughs> but that's why the the barbell and the dumbbells are there. <laughs> I don't punch them, but I u- utilize them. <laughs> then you're like. You're like 70, 71. You're like, you're supposed to stop at 10, 74. Exactly. You're going. <laughs> awesome. Exactly, man. <laughs> so for everybody listening on to this point, thank you so much for checking it in. On the show notes below, I'm going to leave a link to Dan's Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. Definitely post some, post some really good content out there. And overall, amazing person. Even though he was trying to gatekeep a four portfolio, but we'll let that one slide. <laughs> uh, Dan, um, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, appreciate you just sharing your journey and you know just sharing a little bit about yourself. And that's always what I like to try to do here is just get different people, different mentalities, and just showing that there's so many ways of how you can reach that goal. You know, it's not all just one clear path. And that's good. We had a definitely a different approach with your portfolios. And I think it's definitely something that somebody listening into this can definitely get some value off of that. So again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, no worries at all, man. Um, you just keep what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you've been doing a great job in terms of holding the Diff Twift coming to, you know, holding it together. And hopefully we can do this again. And for the listeners out there, remember ETFs. ETFs are the way to go for me. <laughs> and it could be the same for you. But um, yeah, it's a real pleasure to be here, man. And hopefully, hopefully we can do this again. No, absolutely, Dan. We definitely got to link up again there. And as always, and for myself, for Dan, for his, 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 all his portfolios and for everybody out there, we'll reach that goal one penny at a time. We'll see you on the next one.